0: Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. All right, well, I'm glad I can be with you all again today, and uh, thanks for worshiping so well and singing. Ladies, thank you for leading us this morning. That was great. And I appreciate the time and effort you guys put into getting ready for, uh, for worship together as a group. Um, in 2020, these two French entrepreneurs uh, create, named Alexis and Kevin created the Be Real app. How many of you are on Be Real? I'm a little shy. Somebody, some of you are proud of it, but some of you are a little reluctant. So I've been like, trying it out for the last couple weeks. I know you're like, boomers, don't use Be Real. I'm not a boomer. Okay, I promise you that. But um, to kind of see what it's like. And um, when they created Be Real, their actions were driven by the desire to create a platform that could highlight authenticity. Um, They wanted to highlight the reality that everybody has exciting moments as well as like totally basic moments in life. Um, So in this social media world flooded with filtered picture, with, with highlight reels, Um, with fake posts, they wanted to provide everyone with an opportunity to be real, right? To share what's going on in their lives with no filters, with no masks. Not a bad idea, right? Life without a filter, be real, be authentic. Life without a mask, those are not bad desires. Now, whether it's the action taken by the creators of Be Real, or actions that each of us take, the reality is, Each of our actions that we take are driven by some kind of desire. Um, Again, not necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on what is driving that desire. So the questions we need to be asking are these, and then at the end we're going to come back to this, all right? What is driving my desire? Is the right object of my desire? Like, am I focused on the right object of my desire? And is my desire being driven by the right motivation? Right. So what is driving my desire, what is the object, and what's my motivation? Those are three things we need to kind of be thinking about uh, that we'll address at the very end. So y'all have been going through the seven deadly sins. What are some of the sins y'all have talked about so far? Anger. Anger. Envy. Envy. Uh, up, <laughs> All right, forgetfulness. Pride. All right. All right, that's it so far. Sweet. Um, okay, those are all bad sins, right? Those are all things that we need to be careful of. All of those sins, as well as the one we're going to look at today, are all driven, they all have something in common. Whether it's pride, envy, anger, sloth, what we're going to talk about today. They're all driven by the same desire, and I don't think it's the desire you're thinking of. Whether it's lust, greed, anger, envy, gluttony, sloth, they're all driven by the desire for love. And again, it's not bad to desire love, that's a God-given desire. Where it becomes sin, though, is when we pursue the wrong kind of love, or it's love that's focused on the wrong object, or it's love that's driven by the wrong motivation. And you could talk about each of these seven deadly sins in that, in that category. So today we're gonna talk about sloth, and before you go, oh, all right, here's another old guy come and tell me not to be lazy. Uh, we might get there, but that's not really the focus of what we're here to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about sloth, and we're going to try to connect it to our desire for love. The right object, the right motivation, the right desire. Uh, but first, we need to clarify the problem. All right, so what is the problem? Well, what is sloth? And then I want to point you to God's word to see the solution, which is what we should always do, right? Anytime we have a problem, we need to look to God's word, the source of truth, to find, find the answer. So first, let's define the problem. Okay, what is sloth? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say sloth? Zootopia, right? Is that the? So, flash 100 yard dash. That's what I think of when I think of sloth. But um, what did you say over here? An animal, yeah, sloth. Well, that's not the kind of sloth we're talking about. The dictionary uh, defines it as a reluctance to work or laziness. That's kind of part of it. Uh, That's the idea we get from from sloth here. Um, Slow, lazy, here's some synonyms of the idea of sloth. Um, Grievous, hard to deal with, inactive, burdensome. That describes somebody you know. They might be in this realm of being slothful. Proverbs <clears throat> refers to the slothful person by using the word sluggard. It's not a word really used a whole lot today. Um, but Proverbs talks about this person 27 times. Ecclesiastes talks about this person two times at least. So each of these 20 plus times this slothful person is pointed out, it's never good. It's always bad. It's always talking about a negative character that leads to a person's downfall. And you could probably say that about all of these sins that y'all are studying through. Uh, Let's look at one proverb together. Proverb 24, verses 30 through 34. We'll have it up on the screen. Let me read it to you. This this is one example of how the Bible talks about a slothful person, a sluggard. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Okay, so this sluggard already lacks sense. And it was overgrown with thorns the ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down then i saw and considered it i looked and received instruction a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of hands to rest and poverty will become will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man so this general idea the sluggard is someone who allows all his stuff just to break down and he's not focusing on it he lacks sense and he will become go into poverty and ultimately destruction. So it's not somewhere you want to be, right? It's not a path you want to follow. But, okay, that's not, we can read Proverbs and we can think about it. You say, well, I don't have a farm. I don't know what nettles are. Uh, I stay away from thorns. So this obviously is not me. Well, what does sloth look like? Let's, let's think about that. Alright, there's three, uh, the book that this series was kind of inspired by, Uh, one of the writers for the chapter, Tony Ranke, gives three illustrations that I wanted to use with you today, and these are just pictures to keep in your mind, to connect with what is slothfulness, what is a sluggard. The first is the word sluggard, alright, so there'll be a picture up here, there he is, alright, what do you want to call him, let's call him Dave, do we have any Daves here? No, we're safe. Um, Alright, so let's call him Dave all right, he's idle, he's lazy, and he's not motivated, all right? So the, the sluggard is a person who's a slacker, uh, a person who lives with no motivation has, and, has, and has problems that grow like a cancer in their own life, all right? And this is kind of a, now we have times where we chill on the couch. That's not necessarily mean you're a sluggard. This is more of a character issue than a behavior pattern, right? Than a behavior issue. But this idea of the sluggard He's, the characteristic is lazy, doesn't have any cares, um, he's not motivated. God is concerned with how we, how we live our lives. You know, the Bible is full of instructions to help us live in a more godly way. That's part of the reasons why the Bible gives us all these negative examples. right? The Bible is full of people doing the wrong thing at the wrong time and getting, getting like, punished for it. Um, A lot of of the reason that is is so we can have an example like, what not to do. Like, these are all examples of real people that kind of went the wrong way. And don't do that. Don't go that way. Uh, They serve as warnings to us. Don't be idle. Don't be lazy. Be diligent with your money, with your time, all right? So this is the sluggard. okay? This is one example. So keep that in your mind. All right, so the next one might not initially seem like a slothful example. That's the workaholic. All right, sometimes we think of sloth, and we think, oh, that means lazy. Well, not necessarily. It could mean this guy, who's buried in his desk at his office. I don't know what he's doing right now, but he's really into it, (laughs) whatever it is. Um, It's really like busyness. But it's a busyness that's focused on self-centered personal achievement. Back in the 90s, there was this country song called It's All About Me by a guy named Toby Keith. I don't know if you, you can go look it up later. Um, it probably fits this, really. It's all about me. It's all about I, number one, and all this kind of stuff. So um, that would kind of be the workaholic. So this example might not seem like somebody that's slothful. I mean, having a good, a good job, having a good career, being successful, those are all really great things. But they can drift into negative things when we have the wrong focus, the wrong motivation, and the wrong object that we're aiming at. So when we drift into being this workaholic, we're no longer working to glorify God, we're, lurking, we're working to satisfy self. So that's, that's where the slothfulness comes in. Accumulating success, trying to be number one. Again, slothfulness doesn't always mean you're lazy, but it could be someone who's working very hard and motivated, but they're motivated by self-gratification for self-success rather than what we were created to be motivated by so when god designed work it was not to promote self right it wasn't so that we could sing the song it's all about me the workaholic works hard so that he can prove to everyone that he has the best stuff that he is in the best position wealth fame that's not how why god created work god created work so that we could serve other people so that we could put others first. So you've got the sluggard, you've got the workaholic, there's one more illustration I want you to see, and that's the zombie. Okay, they're really popular right now. Um, so the zombie is focused on mind-numbing entertainment. So I'm not gonna blast everybody that has a, a PS5, or a PS4, or an Xbox, or whatever. Um, but the, the zombie lives a really busy life, It's just not a life of productivity. It's it's a life driven by comfort. The zombie does just enough to get by so that he can get back to his mind-numbing entertainment, or her. The zombie's soul is medicated and numbed by entertainment to the point where he's lost the desire for love, right? He no longer can see God in his word. He can no longer see God in the world. He can no longer see God in his relationships. He's completely lost to what it, what it means to be satisfied. The zombie is addicted to distraction, which has led to his or her just being dull of hearing and not able to see the needs of other people. Think about all the zombie movies. Are they really concerned about their fellow zombie's welfare? Usually not. They're all, they, you know, there's always, they're, they're all out to get whatever they want. That's kind of the picture here. Okay, so that can also be slothful. Again, it's, it's loving the wrong thing, being motivated by the wrong thing, and having the wrong object kind of, of of their desire or of their attention. So, do not raise your hand. I mean, you can if you want, but it would be awkward. Um, don't raise your hand here, but how many of you did I just describe on one level or another? Again, be honest with yourself. Are you sometimes a sluggard? Are you sometimes a workaholic? Are you sometimes a zombie? See, when we think about the idea of someone being called a sloth, we might make the mistake of thinking, well, they just don't have any desire. Right? They're lazy. They're not motivated. They have no desire. I think that's wrong. Hey, here's the problem that we all struggle with. Okay, all three forms of this slothfulness, they all have the same thing in common. They are all driven by a desire. They are all a consequence of a lack of genuine love or love directed at the wrong object or love that's driven by the wrong motivation. Okay, the the sluggard. Okay, he has this, I think we have a chart next that will show kind of the, the outcome of each one. The sluggard. Right? You see, his desire is for selfish comfort. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 13.4 that the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So what's the consequence of being a sluggard? It rots your soul. It rots your soul. This desire for selfish comfort literally rots your soul from the inside out. You crave and crave and crave and you get nothing. All right, so what about the workaholic? The workaholic desires worldly riches and success. Okay, well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Mark chapter four says that, and the others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, literally, and their desires for the things literally choke the word out, like rob it of oxygen, and it proves unfruitful. So the workaholic is really busy, right? They're always busy doing something, trying to get ahead, trying to succeed, but what is the result of their level of sloth? Their busyness and their focus on the wrong thing and their desire driven by the wrong motivation literally chokes the word out. Right, because they're so focused on success that they don't have any time for God. They don't have any time for God's word. Right, they'd rather read the stock market than they would, you know, the scripture. So that's the workaholic. All right, so let's, the zombie here. All right, the zombie is driven by this desire for mind-numbing distraction. Right, whether it's Be Real, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a video game, whether it's, could be a book, I guess. I mean, it could be a lot of things that are just distracting you from life. Luke 21 verse 34 it says, "But watch yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness." And here's the, really the, the, the summary, the cares of this life, that the day come upon you suddenly like a trap. It's like be careful that the cares of the world don't consume you so much that you lose sight of what's really important that you lose sight of what your real love should be, your real motivation should be. So that mind-numbing the zombie, that their desires for mind-numbing entertainment, distraction, what's the result of their pursuit? Well, it's being dull of hearing or growing numb to the needs of others. Hey, y'all going on some of the mission trips this summer, it is totally possible for you to go on this trip, whether it's to 539 or whether it's to Cedarville or whether it's to the DR, and be so focused on yourself that you're completely dull of hearing to the needs of those people you're going to minister to. Like that's a level of slothfulness, right? Not having the right desire, not having the right love. So be careful. Like each of those examples that we looked at are. are rooted in the wrong kind of love or the love that has the wrong motivation or love that's directed at the wrong object they're they're all living out a selfish self-centered focus rather than a god centered focus right love of self rather than love of god and guys that is not authentic love that's fake counterfeit love the lack of authentic love leads then to the lack of authentic worship Living a life of a sloth in either any of those three categories leads to a cold heart, leads to a lack of ability to truly worship God. And guys, that is why he has created you, to worship him. So any of these seven deadly sins, sloth is what we're talking about today, it's literally stopping you from doing what you've been created to do. So sloth, along with the other sins, if we allow them in our lives, they deceive us, they distract us, and again, they keep us from doing the very thing we were created to do. That's love and worship. So the sin of sloth, as well as the other sins, are fueled by this lack of authentic love. So how do we fight against this temptation? Because like, it's there, it happens. Um, how do we keep ourselves from drifting into the sin of sloth? Because we all drift that way at one point or another. Like all these deadly sins you are talking about, like you, you committed all of them, I'm sure, on one level or another. Uh, you kind of drift that way and then the word of God needs to bring you back. So how can we kind of bring back ourselves from the edge there and kind of keep away from sloth? Well, let's look to God's word for the solution. I want to read a passage with you and then zero in on one verse uh, to kind of wrap, wrap things up together. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And uh, as you're turning there, Uh, either on your phone or in your Bible. We will have the verses up on the screen as well. Um, As you're kind of finding your place in Romans 12, why did did I pick this passage to read with you today? Well, Really, this passage speaks to all the seven deadly sins, um, and then we're going to zero in on on sloth. Um, But it speaks to the core issue that every single one of us wrestle with, Uh, and it's an issue of love, it's an issue of authenticity. So I wanna help you to see this when we leave, I wanna help you to see this concept throughout the rest of our time, that authentic love motivates us to action. Right, real love, genuine love acts. Authentic love motivates us to action. Genuine love acts. So how do we fight against the sin of sloth as well as other sins? How do we live out authentic love? Well, by being real. By being real, by living with no mask. Let's look at Romans chapter 12. hope you found your spot there. Just look at verse 1 and 2 to start. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the big idea of chapter 12 as a whole is that believers, as believers, were to be these living sacrifices, these these living acts of intentional and authentic worship, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Okay, Paul uses this picture of like the Old Testament sacrifice, the little lamb that had to be brought. It couldn't have a spot on it. It couldn't have anything wrong with it. It had to be perfect and acceptable. That's kind of the picture he wants in our mind. Now, how do we do that? Well, by not being conformed to this world, as he said there in verse one and two, don't fall into the trap of trying to, to become everything the world's culture says that you should be. Well, how do we do that? Well, he says by being transformed, by the renewing of our minds. That by, This is something we can't do, guys. This is something that we cannot do on our own. It's impossible for you to transform your own mind. Now I know that you'll read books or you'll listen to podcasts that'll probably tell you otherwise, um, but you can't do it. Like the, the podcast might say, you can find your own truth, right? Look inside and that's where real truth lives. And they always say it with like a whispery kind of gentle voice with water kind of running in the background. Um, Turn into yourself for direction. Guys, that is a lie. Paul knew that and he's trying to help us realize that too. Only through relationship with Jesus can this kind of transformation happen. And only through feeding yourself with his word and letting his spirit work in you can this happen. So, why would we want to have our minds transformed and renewed? Well, it's part of our worship for the Lord. We are created to worship and so that we can discern the will of God. Now, this has not I want to say one thing. This didn't have a ton to do with sloth, but just that concept there, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to discerning what is good and pleasing the perfect will of God. Guys, all of you are at an age where you should be, and you probably are, seeking God's will. Whether it's good to go to college or whatever big decision that you're getting ready to make, you're all at a phase in your life where you're either making a big decision or you're going to be making a big decision. I'll share this truth with you from, I've learned from experience, but also that God's word teaches you. Guys, unless your mind is being renewed and transformed by the word of God and by the spirit of God, it's gonna be really, really hard for you to hear the leading of God and to know what God's will is for you. If you're not in the word, if you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus, if you're not letting his spirit change you and transform you, then I don't think you're going to hear what God's will is. Because God speaks to us through his word and through his spirit. So just keep that in mind. If you are making life decisions, and this is God's will for me, but you're not spending any time in the word, then I don't know. I don't know if it's really God's will for you. Or I would ask you, how do you know? Is it anchored to his word and his spirit? You need to kind of check that. So Paul calls us to live these like this as these acceptable sacrifice, authentic love. Now, what does that practically look like? I love When you read through Romans, it, it, Paul's like a lawyer here. He's like in a courtroom and he's, he, he drops these bombs on people and then he like backs it up and explains what he means or like this is how you do it. Um, and that's what he does here. Okay, live as these holy and acceptable people, renewing your minds, being transformed. Well, how in the world should, are we to do that? Well, verses 9 through 21 tell us how. Look at verse 9. Let love be genuine. That's the answer, all right? We can pray, amen, good morning, Maranatha. The main emphasis of this verse is the the direct instruction to live out authentic love. Love without a mask, right? Be real in your love. That's what it means. Be without hypocrisy. Um, I think I had a, as we read the next passage, uh, can you show this real quick? So as we read through these verses, keep this image in mind. Hey, This image of, of unhypocritical love. Love without a mask is in this bottle, this milk bottle, let's call it. And then everything that's flowing out of it. Right? Don't curse, but bless. Right? Uh, live in harmony. Re- don't repay evil with evil. So everything that Paul is getting ready to say flows out of verse 9, like verse 9 was this big bottle, and everything else is going to spill out of it. All right, so love without a mask. Verses 10 through 21 give us some, some like genuine examples, real-life examples of what it means to live out love in daily life, like live out love with action. So, But remember, authentic love motivates us to action. So let's look at verse 10, just so you have the overall context of what, what Paul is saying here. Abhor what is evil. In verse 10, hold fast to what is good. Okay, so again, love without hypocrisy. Love without a mask on. What does that look like? Well, this is what it looks like. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, don't be proud, but associate with the lowly. Uh, Never be wise in your own sight. And then down in, in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Right, there's so much to unpack here. Let's just look at verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. All right, do not be slothful in zeal. Okay, We don't use words like slothful in zeal in most of our like, vocabularies every day. So really, you could rewrite it in, in this way. Don't lack diligence in all that you're doing. Be diligent, especially in your passion for the Lord. Everything that's worth doing, a part of the Christian life, is valuable enough to do intentionally and with enthusiasm. Now, you might think, who does it hurt to be a sluggard? Right? Who does it hurt to be a workaholic? Who does it hurt to be a zombie? Well, it hurts you, and it hurts everyone around you. Plus, this is something, as I was kind of reading and reflecting on this this week, this is a takeaway that I thought was impactful. Being slothful or indifferent, it prevents you, it prevents the good from happening in your life. But that isn't even the worst part. Having a slothful character actually gives an opportunity for evil to thrive in your life. So who does it hurt? It hurts you. It hurts everyone around you, preventing good from what's happening to you and allowing evil to thrive in your life. So we read part of verses 9 through 21. What if we look at it from another angle? What if you were to say, you know what, I really kind of want to embrace what the world says is Israel love. I kind of like that. Um, I don't really like what Paul is saying here, so I'm going to reject that. And if that's you, I want to show you what that would look like. So here's Romans 12, according to the world. Let love be fake. Just put on your mask and pretend to love so that no one knows who you really are. Embrace what is evil, profanity, sex us out of marriage, being drunk, side eyeing everyone you meet, being lazy. Push away the things that are good, push away time in God's Word. You don't need that anyway. Be all friendly in person and then hate everybody online. Make sure you always put yourself first. I mean, your feelings, that's what matters anyway. Trust your feelings. It's your only truth. That's how you'll get ahead. Don't worry about anything. It's okay to have no motivation. It's okay not to work. It's okay not to have integrity. It's okay to put everything off till later. Just relax, have fun, be entertained. You deserve it. I mean, why get bent out of shape? Why get all bent out of shape? If you don't do it, somebody else will. It's a hard world. Nobody knows what you're going through. You deserve to be happy, so just embrace whatever feelings are your guiding truth pretty big difference from what Paul said the instructions he's giving us from God this kind of love is being lived out by all those being being conformed to the world that i just read ultimately loving themselves and worshiping themselves hey guys make sure this isn't you make sure that these these deadly sins that you're not embracing and the sin of sloth that you're not that you're not being lazy in spirit. You're not being indifferent. You're not, uh, make sure we're being diligent in our passion for the Lord. Well, how do we fight against that? Well, in verse 11, Paul says, be fervent in spirit. This word literally means to boil in your spirit. You guys ever seen like a steam train? I know they're not real popular. They don't like go up and down the highway, but Um, the idea of the steam train you get, right? You put the coal in or whatever and it boils the water and then when the water gets hot enough, it produces steam and then that steam starts to make the train move. That's kind of a picture we can get from the word Paul used here. The train only moves when the heat is hot enough to enable the steam to push it. If the fire isn't hot enough, then the train doesn't move. That's kind of the idea we have here. Let your love be so hot that it produces enough steam to move you closer to God. If you don't have enough heat there, then it's not gonna move you. Be fervent in spirit. So true, authentic love is diligent, it's intentional. Authentic love labors. So you wanna live out authentic love. You want to live out what love looks like without a mask. So be real, right, be diligent, be intentional. Okay, so each of the seven deadly sins you're gonna cover in this series, they're they're all rooted in the same core issue of love. Okay, misunderstanding what love is, uh, loving the wrong thing or, or having the wrong motivation. That's why I chose this passage in Romans to share with you today because it's a chapter about authentic love. So as you navigate your lives, you have to make a decision. And that decision, among many others, will be what kind of love will you embrace? an authentic biblical love or a popular worldly love. It's your choice. Every day you're given that choice of who to listen to and who you're gonna follow. And each and every one of you created in God's image has been created to worship. Thing is, you will worship, right? You can't not worship. The question is what and who will you worship and what's gonna drive that? So the whole purpose of the Be Real app is to capture life with no filters right, no deep fakes, no masks, but it's funny that even an app called Be Real gives you like two minutes to be real and spontaneous, and you can retake the pictures as many times as you want within that two minutes, Um, and then the reward for for distracting yourself from what's going on is you get to take more pictures of of yourself or your surroundings. Somehow I don't think that the app is really helping people to display an authentic life, um, even, with, even with the Be Real app, it's still possible to kind of put that mask on. So as you think about each of the sins, remember, it's, it's really a choice of character, not behavior. No matter what sin you put in the blank, whether it's lust, anger, envy, sloth, they're all based in that love issue. Guys, pretending to live out authentic love is not the same as possessing it. They're two very different things. Wearing a mask and pretending is exhausting and it's draining and it will drive you into depression. But truly possessing authentic love is liberating and will fill your life with joy. So, how did so? The idea we need to take away as far as related to sloth is this authentic love motivates us to godly action, right? This love without a mask, this love without hypocrisy will motivate us to be diligent, to love others, to respond to God in worship. So how did Paul want his people to respond? Is the same way that how we should respond. Be active in how you walk and talk your, your life, your faith. Be real, right? Love without a mask. Cultivate real relationships. Be transformed by the word of God. Guys, the world and your sin nature is calling you to be conformed to us. God's word tells you not to be conformed to that, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, when we started, I said, "Hey, we're going to talk about what is driving my desire, what's the right object of my desire, and is my desire but have the right motivation?" Well, what is driving your desire? I hope it is an authentic love for God that drives you, right? Not anything else. What's the right object of your desire? I hope that it's, it's, it's God. Nothing else will satisfy you. And what's your motivation, right? What's the motivation driving you? Well, again, I hope it's the motivation to worship the Lord. Worshiping anything else leaves you empty, so guys, just a last thought and then we'll pray. Authentic love directed at God, right, motivated by your desire to worship is the only thing that will truly satisfy your desires. God has created each one of you in such a way that you will never be satisfied by anything else other than your relationship with him. But the sins like sloth try to deceive you into saying, you know what, you're gonna be real satisfied with this bowl of chips laying on the couch for three weeks Or hey, you're gonna be really satisfied by working 90 hours a week and just forgetting everybody else to bring home that million dollar paycheck so you can buy the newest whatever. Or hey, you're gonna be so satisfied by um, playing the latest game and getting lost in time and realizing it's like 7 a.m. on Thursday and you started playing on Monday. Guys, none of that is really gonna satisfy you. So only a true authentic love, love without a mask. Some of you wore your mask in here today. And I would just challenge you to make sure that you're, you're seeking a life without a mask on. Authentic love driven by a desire to worship the Lord. Dear God, again, we just thank you for the opportunity to just share your word and study it. And I thank you for all of the people that are here today and um, just their desire to worship you and to be in your house and to fellowship with one another. And God, I just ask you to help us to be real Help us to be authentic with our love, be genuine in our love. And God, that, that's, that's your heart. Not be fake, not be hypocritical, but we would genuinely love. And out of that, we would fight against sloth and anger and envy. God, we wouldn't be tempted to just waste our lives away on, on self-gratification or on comfort. God, those things aren't necessarily bad, but when they're the focus of our love, They become idols and distract us from you, God. So help us stay focused, keep us from distraction. And God, I pray for everyone in here that you would guard them, you would protect them, you would give them the strength to truly live out real love with each other as well as everyone they meet out in the community and at school and in the world. And so I, God, that you would pray that you would just give us the strength, give us that desire to love you and put you first, and we'll praise you for what happens. In Jesus' name, amen.